Well, hello, and it looks like the calendar has turned towards July, and I'm very excited to get this started. Uh, my name is uh, William Lutz, and for the last few months, I've been thinking about doing more things in the audio world, so we're going to give this a shot. Uh, for those of you that uh, have stumbled upon this and may not know who I am, uh, let me introduce myself. Um, again, my name is William Lutz, and I have been blessed to have a wide array of things that I do on a consistent basis. Um, the number one thing that I do that kind of pays the bills is that I am the executive director of a faith-based nonprofit here in Miami County, Ohio. It is called New Path, and it is affiliated with Ginghamsburg Church. So if you are from the uh, Miami Valley area or from Western Ohio, and you've ever traveled Interstate 75, and you see this big church by uh, mile marker 66, and you're wondering what that is, well, that is Ginghamsburg Church. And what I do there is operate all of the outreach ministries that are affiliated with that church. So we have things like food pantries, and we have some uh, resale stores, much like uh, what you would find in Goodwill. We provide opportunities for folks to get education. We provide opportunities for folks to earn vehicles. So there's a whole bunch of things that we do there in New Path. And one of the things that we could explore kind of in this podcast world is what it's like to operate a nonprofit organization, especially in the faith-based environment. That is certainly a world that has a lot of opportunities, but also your occasional a pitfall or two, some challenges that are kind of unique to that world. Another thing that I do is I'm on city council here in the city of Troy. I'm serving my first term as an at-large council person, and I'm sure we will delve deep into those issues on being an elected official. Uh, a little bit of back history is that before I entered uh, the nonprofit world, I worked in local government. I uh, worked for the city of Piqua, which is just right up the road, and uh, worked in their economic and community development department. Uh, my job there was more than anything just kind of being their grant writer. So I found uh, large buckets of money for large projects that uh, could not get completed uh, without that financial assistance. And so we'll talk a little bit about that as well. And finally, uh, the thing that people might know me know might know me uh, most for is uh, the work I do for the Troy Daily News and the Piqua Daily Call. Uh, I am one of their contributing columnists, and uh, you can see my work uh, every Monday in those issues of the Troy Daily News and the Piqua Daily Call. And I've learned that sometimes those um, articles that I write, those columns that I write, end up going further and farther. So they've been known to be in the Sydney Daily News and there's another paper in Eaton, which is another small town. So they, they get widely distributed across Western Ohio. And, and I'll tell you, the, the reason for the podcast was really the work that was being done with that column. Now, I've been writing the column now for, gosh, I think it's more like five years. And it's been really a labor of love. But it's also one that is very difficult. People may not realize how hard... It is to come up with uh, fresh ideas that try to uh, engage everyone on a consistent basis and then come up with 700 words in complete sentences and 
and somewhat readable paragraphs to make it all kind of flow together. Um, it is extremely challenging, but it is a challenge that I enjoy doing. Um, and one of the things that I've learned, especially over the last couple of weeks, is a lot of the things that are being written uh, are really resonating with folks. Um, over the last few weeks, and I don't, th- I don't attribute it to one particular column or anything, but it's just that it seems like more people are reading them and more people are commenting on them in a positive way. And so we'll dig deep into those columns as well. Uh, Some of the other things that I want to talk about in this format as we move forward is uh, I enjoy reading. Um, I've picked that up really the last couple years. Um, I was never a a, a big reader um, back in school. And then, you know, you you go to college and you go to graduate school and then uh, reading is more of a forced discipline where, yes, you have to understand the concepts. And while those concepts might come easy to you or they might come hard to you, uh, it was never an enjoyable exercise, but uh, over the last couple of years or so, I've been picking up books, reading them, um, gaining a lot of insight in some of the things that are there uh, on the written word. And so we'll talk about some of those books. And, and finally, you know, just other things that happen uh, throughout life. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about the macro political environment that we live in here. Um, But we're going to try to go a little bit beyond what we're seeing politically and see if we can make sense of of some of the things that are out there in terms of how we live our lives in our own communities on a daily basis. Um, One of the things that you learn uh, as just being a, a, a member of a community, a citizen, so to speak, is the things that happen in our state houses have hit huge impacts on us. And what we're seeing is we're seeing a real effort, um, and I don't know if it's concerted, but it's an effort to try to divide people on things that happen in Washington. And I don't fully understand that, other from the fact that it's an easy way to get ratings and revenues for those people that are peddling those stories. Um Things that happen in Washington have an impact on our lives, but what would have a bigger impact on your life is if your trash didn't get picked up this week, or that when you turned on the faucet and water didn't come out, or that uh, the sales tax that you pay doubled, or that uh, the state patrol is now going to uh, increase its size by double. You know, things like that have a larger, larger impact on our lives. Um, than the things that are coming out of Washington. And we'll be talking about those things as well. Now, of course, if you're listening to this, which I I assume you are, and I assume that you're going to like the stuff that you hear, but you never know. Um, So please contact me if you like what you're hearing or if you don't like what you're hearing, if you have ideas that you want me to talk about a little further, um, things of that nature. I would love, love, love to hear from you. Um, I'm very active on Twitter. Find me at the at sign and William Lutz, uh, W-I-L-L-I-A-M-L-U-T-Z. And I also have my own website, www.williamlutz.org. Uh, that was my uh, city council campaign website last year. So it's got some dated information, but we're going to try to clean that up and get some more stuff on there. Again, um, I'm very excited to in- begin this journey with you. And I hope that this becomes interactive. I really want to thank the folks at 
anchor.fm. That's kind of the platform that we're using. It, it seemed to be the best platform that I could use, uh, given my limited technical abilities. Uh, but more than that, it had a lot of tools to kind of uh, increase interactivity among folks that uh, that can just get in touch with me. You can leave messages, things of that nature. And I really want to hear from folks as we move on. And again, this is our first one. I don't know how this will be, but I have a I have a schedule that I want to keep. I want to put this stuff out uh, every week. This will uh, hopefully be somewhere along the spectrum of a great success and an absolute catastrophe. Of course, looking more for the success side than the catastrophe side, but uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. But I do know the thing that will make this successful is that we continue to provide uh, consistent content uh, on a weekly basis, you know, things that will just continue to be out there. We hope that you enjoy it. Again, please feel free to contact me if you have any comments or questions. Uh, today's episode is going to be a little different. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about a recent uh, column that I wrote that's going to be in the Troy Daily News and Piqua Daily Call on Monday, July 2nd, which will probably get some interesting uh, playtime um, that folks uh, will be talking about. It'll be in the intellectual bandwidth, I guess, of the city of, of Troy and Piqua and places in Western Ohio. So we're going to delve into that. Uh, some of the other things we're going to talk about today. Um, I might get into the fact of some of the books that I want to be talking about with you in the future. Uh, we'll be doing some book review segments. So I'm very excited about that. So at this time, I hope you stick around with this because uh, we're going to be talking about democracy in America in a recent study that came out talking about that and how that impacts our lives. Thank you. So um, I want to talk a little bit about a piece that I wrote for the uh, Troy Daily News and Piqua Daily Call that will be in their July 2nd uh, print edition. It's already online right now at uh, www.tdn-net.com and www.dailycall.com. Um, it was a recent report that was put out by a group called the Democracy Project. And the Democracy Project was kind of a collaborative effort between the uh, Biden School of International Relations at Penn University and also the uh, George W. Bush Institute, um, which is part of his library, which I believe is in Houston. And so when these reports come up, uh, I like to pay attention to them because if you've got folks that are on the separate sides of the political divide in, in which uh, Joe Biden and George W. Bush probably are. Um, it's interesting to see what are some of the things that they're saying together and what are some of the things that we can think about, which are their ideas that are putting forward. And so through the Democracy Project, this report that just came out, I believe it's about a week old. You can find it at the democracyproject.org. Um, they come up with a, a few different findings on how to improve the democratic society here in America and how we feel about it as Americans. 
And as I read through the findings, there was nothing in there that seemed to be overly surprising or overly shocking. Um, there is kind of this feeling that society is uh, uh, frustrated with the current state of our, our democratic society. Um, we're seeing the influence of things like money influence our elections, which is influencing our politics to a greater degree. We're seeing things like tribalism become part of uh, the political dynamic. Um, we're seeing things like folks that just don't want to talk to each other. They'd rather talk over each other. You're seeing all of this and none of this is new. None of this is, is, is groundbreaking stuff. Um, but on the website, uh, that you can find at uh, democracyproject.org. Each of the findings have these um, interactive graphs where you, they ask questions of folks and they kind of break it down by demographics on how, how they feel about things. And in their second finding, they talked about uh, how important it is to live in a democratic society. And they broke it down into, into three main groups, uh, First one was through party affiliation. Um, every party, including independents, agreed that living in a democratic society is is important. Um, they broke it down by race. And so um, Caucasian folks, African-American folks, uh, folks of Latino heritage, they all agreed that it's important to live in a democratic society as well. The, the numbers were, were different for the groups, but they were all over 50%. But the groups that they talked to that showed the most difference were in age. And this was the, the finding of this study that really concerned me the most. And it's, it scared me the most, really. So there was an inverse relationship. Uh, so the older you were, uh, the more likely you were to uh, agree that you wanted to live in America in a democratic society. And the flip side is the younger you were, the less likely you were to believe that living in a democratic society was important. So people over age 65, 77%, three out of four felt that it was important to live in a democratic society. On the flip side, young folks, those under age 25, only one in three felt that it was important to live in a democratic society. And, you know, you see numbers like that and you read through it and you're like, wow, what is happening here? What, what, what is going on? And, you know, I'm not much of a, I mean, I, I don't have the ability to, to do a, a full fledged scientific study on this, but, but there were some ideas that I had that kind of resonated with me. Older folks ended up seeing really the existential crisis of democracy when World War II came around, you know, these were folks like my grandfather who, who passed away and, and his wife and, and his brothers-in-law and, and, and folks like that who signed up for the service to really save the American democratic society as we know it, um, because they were faced with a real danger in uh, the fascists and the Nazis of Europe and also the authoritarian regime in Japan. And I would say at its height, you know, that most of the world was really on the crux of being part of the uh, 
Nazis, the the fascists, the Japanese control. I mean, they they took over most of Europe and in most of Asia, and it was um, parts of Africa, and even there were there were stories of collaborators in Mexico working with the Nazis and, and in South America. So we were really living in a world where where Nazism, fascism, and and Japanese authoritarianism could have taken over the world very very easily. But uh, these young men and women from not only the United States, but but other freedom-loving countries came together and they were able to defeat this, uh, this menace as we knew it. And then we kind of go into the next generation, which was more of my, my parents' generation. Um, they saw the repercussions of that. They saw the Cold War. Um, my father was, was in Vietnam. And, and, you know, the Cold War played out in Vietnam. Um, it was seen as a battle between uh, freedom and communism. Um, my mother tells me of times where she had uh, gone through um, the drills at school where they had the old duck and cover underneath the desk. I think it's important for context to realize that, you know, we live 20 miles away from Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, which is uh, one of the largest Air Force bases probably in the world. And so I'm sure that when the Soviets were looking at potential targets to take out in America, uh, there were probably more than um, one set of missiles that were, were aimed right towards Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. And then, and then there's the younger generation. Um, myself and folks that are younger and, and I'm kind of, I'm 40 and I'm kind of in a weird spot because I remember communism. Um, I remember the days in which the communist system fell. So I remember when Gorbachev was exiled in Crimea and things just fell apart and then I believe it was December of 1989. I want, I want to say it was Christmas Day where on the news they had pictures of the, the flag of the Soviet Union with the hammer and sickle, the, the red banner coming down the Kremlin <clears throat> one last time because as of that day, the Soviet Union didn't exist. And of course, leading up to this, there was um, the Berlin Wall coming down. Um, people in the Eastern Bloc countries, you know, Hungary and Romania and Bulgaria, East Germany, Poland, they were beginning to experience their own sense of freedom where they could move around. I mean, it was illegal to move from one country to the next in some of these places. And so we were beginning to see a different kind of freedom take place in those areas that had never experienced that under communism. And so we saw, at least my generation saw the, the victory of communism. I mean, sorry, the victory of, of American democracy over communism. Oh my goodness. I'm, I'm sorry about that. Um, but what does that mean for the future generation? Well, we're going to take a quick break and then I'm going to expand on my thoughts on what this means for the future generation. (laughs) 
and, and so we're back talking about what what this communism versus American democracy means to this this upcoming generation, uh, the millennials and the Gen Zers of, of our time, and or however you want to call them. Um, what it looks like to me is that folks that are under age 25 lack the concepts to understand what the what is the viable alternative to American democracy. Um, they see a lot of choices that have been made that are against their own interest, either as an individual or as part of a group. They're seeing a system that is overrun by money, corruption, and other negative influences that that have taken democracy and made it uh, something that that isn't preferable to them. But my challenge to that group would be, what is preferable? Um, we've seen the negative consequences of communism. We see it today. Uh, there are still political prisoners that exist in places like Cuba uh, and uh, the People's Republic of China. And, and we don't even have to talk about North Korea. Uh, these are probably three countries in, in which communism still exists. Um, we have seen the track record of communism in which it has systematically killed millions and millions of people. Um, Mao's, you know, cultural revolution Stalin uh, basically took the Ukraine off the map as he collectivized farms in the 20s. You know, all of these things have conspired um, to really create an environment in which communism is not preferable to democracy. And as we take a look at the rest of the world and we take a look at the progress that this world has gone through, a lot of that progress is attributed to democracy and the things that have gone on while we have solidified the right of the individual in the society in which they live in. Um, as much as we might find fault with the world, you know, the United Nations on Millennium Development Goals, at least the one on poverty in which, you know, extreme poverty, and we're talking folks that live on pennies a day, a lot of those measures were accomplished in terms of trying to eradicate poverty. And I think democracy had a large role in playing with that. Now, there might be some that argue that communism has never been fully formed in that it's the communism that we've seen in the world play out is not the communism that that is the one that we need to have in order to have a more utopian society, ho however you describe that. And, and my argument to that would be, if it hasn't worked before, what makes us think it'll work now? Um, is it because people are now more benevolent or people are more kind? I mean, while I would hope that that's actually true, 
you know, go back and read the democracy report. Uh, there's a lot of people who don't believe that, that there are things that are positive in American society. I, it, I don't think it talks about kindness in general. Um, but, but that it, I'm not getting the gut feeling that, that kindness and benevolence, um, is in any greater supply now than it has been in the future in order to upend our political system, uh, to bring communism back to the world. But, you know, what do I know? I mean, I'm, I'm just a 40 year old guy living here in Ohio, seeing things from, from my perspective. And that's where I want, I want you to, to let me know. So am I off base? Am I on base? What are some of the concepts that you think that we need to look into this a little further? So I would encourage you to, uh, again, get on Twitter at William Lutz, uh, visit the website, williamlutz.org. There's contact information there. Let's get interactive. Let me know how you felt about the article. Again, you can find it at tdn-net, tdn-net.com or dailycall.com. It's on there now, um, but it will be in print editions on July 2nd. I would love to hear from you and your comments. So thanks for joining me for this uh, first trial effort at this, uh, this audio podcast. I'm not sure how well it did, but I'm sure that your comments and your suggestions will be uh, greatly appreciated. And of course your encouragement will be appreciated as well. We'll be back next week. Um, you know, I don't really know what I'm going to talk about specifically, but I know that I've been reading again, a lot of books. Uh, there might be some city council stuff that comes up as well. And of course, if there's things that you want me to talk about, um, that you have ideas and you have concepts that you'd like to, to hear expounded a little further, I would love, love to hear from you. So again, thank you for joining me this week. Have a great week. We will see you next time. Thank you.